Welcome to Practice Life, the podcast devoted to the important non-clinical issues affecting the daily practice of equine veterinary medicine. Practice Life is brought to you by the American Association of Equine Practitioners. And I'm Mike Pannell, a practice owner and veterinarian, and a longtime EAP member and your host. Beringer Ingelheim's Equine Health Solutions don't just come in the form of medicine. From our vaccine and EGUS assurance programs to our equine practice enrichment program, we offer a wide range of services dedicated to helping individual veterinarians and entire practices succeed in their business environment. To learn more about all the services we offer, contact one of our expert team members by visiting bi-vetmedica.com company contact. Hi, and welcome to the AEP Practice Life Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Pownall, and today we're going to discuss technology. And I have two uh, guests who are very well known in our profession in the equine world for really being techno fans. First, I'll start with Dr. Lisa Kivett from Southern Pine, North Carolina. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Mike. How are you? Good. And just before we started it, we were talking about technology. Lisa, what did you want to call this episode? Because I thought it was perfect. Mm, using technology to survive the dumpster fire of vet med in 2022. Yeah. So there we go. And uh, also we have, we're joined by Dr. Ben Buchanan from Brazos Valley Equine. Ben, welcome again. Thank you very much for having me. Hello, Lisa. Hello, Mike. Hey. Ben, tell us a bit about your practice and Lisa, tell us a bit about yours, but we'll start with you, Ben. So it's an all-equine practice. There's eight veterinarians scattered in a couple of different locations. And then we are allied with a couple other hospitals that we brand together in around the state of Texas. And so all together, there's um, 15 veterinarians in four or five different locations that share patients. Right. Okay. And Lisa, tell us about your growing practice. Yeah, we're a 3.25 now doctor practice in Southern Pines with a newly constructed hospital and a sizable ambulatory component, one location. Excellent. So I remember when you, it was just you. So you have grown. Oh my God. 2013. It was just me in a truck. Yeah. Yeah. So it's amazing how things grow. Yeah. Both of you are big into technology. So I, I want us to have a bit of a wide ranging discussion, not just on the technology that we use and depend upon and to help us survive the dumpster fire of veterinary medicine in 2022. But I, I also want to have a deeper discussion. And, and some of this predates, I had the great fortune of presenting at the World Veterinary Association Congress in Abu Dhabi earlier this year. Wow. And we had a round table on technology. And it was interesting because we were talking about technology from the North American, European, the Western world perspective. And then when you start talking to people who are from, you know, Africa, other parts of Asia, South America, where they barely have cell phone technology. So it's all really relative, but the majority of our audience is in North America, Europe, Australia, what have you. So let's just, let's talk about the technology. Let's maybe we can mention the three favorite bits of technology that you use to help you get through the day, run your practice. Ben, well, let's start with you before I forget. And I always do it. And I'm just before I was starting this, I said, I got to remember to say it is critical. And we are so grateful to thank Beringer Engelheim for their support of the AP practice life podcast. They are really 
devoted to helping us and, and spread the word about Practice Life to all our members. So thank you very much to Beringer Engelheim. Sorry, Ben, for cutting you off. I had to talk about that because it is so important. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks to BIA for supporting all that. It's a great thing to do. Three things was the question. Yeah. So what three technologies that you're like, I get through every day because of them? The phone for sure, whether it's as an archiving system for looking at wounds and eyes and things that I've photographed so that we're going to look at it again in a few days and take another photograph. And it's just so available to compare to. We use it communicating in the hospital and between hospitals with uh, Microsoft Teams and those different channels. And so it's a communication device, not just a cell phone, but not texting, but group chatting. And that's been something we've installed the last two years has been really tremendous. And then the point of care tools, just the stall side lab tests that can be run now make the turnaround so much faster to even three years ago, much less 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we, and that's why I say at the beginning is like, what we like is technology now, we're going to look at in three years and go, what was the name of that group messaging system we use? Because everything is changing so much. How about yourself, Lisa? What are the three things that get you through the day, your practice through the day? I'd say the number one is we recently switched practice management, medical records software, and we went to EasyVet. And I think it's a, you know, a love-hate relationship, but I've been really, really happy there. And it's uh, helped me personally a lot. (laughs) One of the other things is we're just heavily reliant on Trello, the online whiteboard software. We've been using that for a long time and it's just sort of ingrained in what we do. So I know Trello as like a project management tool or to-do list. So how is your team using it? We've used it a lot of different ways. Currently, because our team has shrunk a bit, which I think is true for a lot of practices in the last year or two, we've pared it down and just have one current active board where we have three columns, stuff we got to do, stuff we're working on, and stuff we finished. And we just keep adding cards. You can assign members. So if I looked at mine right now, there'd be things for our remote receptionist to do things for our techs to do. I've got a card for stuff our relief vet can do. Someone needs to spray for ants because there's ants in the area near the fridge and somebody needs to move the round pin and here's a Lowe's list and a Walmart list and things that are in progress or call this lady about she's bad pay and order some more McMaster's chambers. And so we just move cards. We assign them to people and we give them due dates and we move them from things we need to do to stuff we're working on to stuff we finished. And it's a great idea. It's really helpful. Great idea. So I think when you talked about the practice management software, it's a love-hate relationship. And I think technology is a love-hate relationship because there are times when you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I have this. And there are times, particularly after hours when people are trying to contact you, that you wish I could throw this phone deep into the ocean. So Ben, what are some of your challenges with technology? What makes you think like, if only? If only the batteries were never dead. Yeah. My God, the batteries, right? (laughs) Whether that's phone, watches, ultrasounds, x-ray machines, like that is the biggest challenge with tech is the reliance on power and the lack of it when you really, really need it. Right. 
How about yourself, Lisa? I would say yeah, it's twofold. One, why does my cell phone not have consistent cell phone signal because it's 2022? Yeah. And that and the battery issue. I'll comment that one thing we've been trying to do, and that doesn't work for you know things like the DR and everything, but we're trying to get to every device is a USB-C charge. So all of the computers are USB-C, all the phones need to be USB-C. And then we just keep external batteries by the boatload in all the trucks. And we've converted the wall outlet to, instead of having in every outlet plugs, there's outlet covers that actually just have USB-A and USB-C in them. And just like everything, just trying to create redundancy, right? So the fewer types of cords and charging. And we bought this big old charging cabinet from Uline, which is, I'm obsessed with it. And it's got just like all these plugs down it and we keep labels on what's to be charged where, but it's still just a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if I was going to list one of the things that gets me through life is my iWatch, because not only does it just keep me in touch with everything that's going on, but I use it personally for working out and for exercising and what have you. I didn't charge it this morning and I'm at work and I'm at nine o'clock. I get the buzz and it's like less than 10%. And literally talking about love, hate, I had my watch off on my desk. I just looked at it all day. Like you're letting me down. And that's a stupid charger. It has too. Exactly. We're on the office. Like, like, does anybody have their iPhone charger? And everybody's <laughs> looking at me like as if. So yeah, I get it. The watch is great because the noise has decreased tremendously. Yes. Because yeah. the text and the teens and all the alerts just buzz the watch and they don't make noise. It makes it hard for the staff to track me around the hospital. The watch has helped my on-call anxiety quite a bit. I was talking with someone about this the other day where, you know, you get habituated to this stress response with a particular ringtone. Yeah. And so I've started silencing my phone. I'll charge my watch earlier in the night when I'm on call. And then I just silence my phone and put my watch on to go to sleep. And I'm just finding that to be less stressful than trying to remember to listen for a ringtone. And what if the phone is on silent? Because sometimes it silences itself. And I would say, and I'd just like to get your point of view on it, because maybe this is just me, but I think that if I was going to look at the challenges of veterinary medicine is, I think in general, when I look at the veterinary world versus you look at all the technology that's available for other industries that were behind. And then I look at, because equine is such a small segment of the total veterinary world, we're even further behind. And I can never see the business case for a company to say, hey, let's invest in the equine veterinary world because we are such a niche player. And I also say like, darn, everybody else is going to be, I don't know, I guess I get tech envy because I look at other industries and other professions and their technology is so much further advanced than ours. Or am I just thinking that? I don't know. I don't know. I go to my small animal vet and I feel like we're worlds ahead of them. Yeah. It depends. The regenerative medicine conversation the stem cell conversation you know the equine people were the leaders in that and developing that and it's just now finally getting into this model world with any sort of consistency but i still think you know we reap what other people are developing in some of the technology worlds um, with the imaging and the point of care equipment right 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 yeah fair fair so let's Talk a bit, and let's put a bit of our imaginoscope crystal ball and talk about where do we think tech will be going in the veterinary world. I remember once years ago, 
Lisa and I were talking. I remember just thinking, Lisa going, I'm all over autonomous vehicles. I can't wait for my self-driving vet truck and I can just get in it. Still mad. I can watch Netflix as I'm going to calls. No, I think you said medical records. That's it. Yeah. Medical records as you're going to call. So, I mean, that would be wonderful. But I think that highlights a challenge is that the next great thing is always around the corner, but the reality is it's much further away. I mean, the discussions they've been having of radiologists that there won't be a job for radiologists in a number of years because computers will do that. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit longer than that. So Ben, let's start with you. Let's, wh- where do you think technology is going to go in the veterinary world? I think in the equine world, the turnover in professional staff, the older generation retiring and leaving and the lack of people coming in, there's going to have to be some development in the telemedicine piece to that where you can document, capture, and charge for looking at phones, looking at pictures, looking at things, having non-professional staff distributed out and a professional staff managing multiple cases at the same time. Otherwise, I don't think there's enough veterinarians to meet the demand now, much less five years from now as the numbers continue to diverge. So I, I look for more solutions in the realm of telemedicine. And there's some in the small world, but there's none that are designed well enough for the equine space yet. I guess we could probably have the next 50 minutes talking about telemedicine. So a couple of questions I have for both of you is, A, how do we train our clients that they have to start paying for things we give away right now? And what are the kind of cases that you think telemedicine would be well suited for? What do you think, Ben? The types of cases that telemedicine would be suited for, some of the non-emergency, but maybe more urgent care or questions about the urgent care, and then the follow-ups. I don't necessarily need to drive 30 minutes to go look at a wound, for example. I need to see the wound and make some decisions on what direction we want to go. Hey, we want to turn this out or not. You can train a sonographer to drive around and capture digital images for farriers or ultrasound recheck suspensories and make rehab plans based off of those sorts of things. And so I think those types of cases, follow-ups and rechecks, lend themselves really well to, to one person managing multiple paraprofessionals, so to speak. Right. How about yourself, Lee? So maybe you can comment on the getting clients to pay for it, but I'd also like to get your take on the cases too. This is a subject I think about on a daily basis. Agreed. And I mean, I completely agree with Ben, which is rechecks and wounds. And I had a purpura case recently that was pretty significant and the clients ran out of money, took it home. And we continued to do rechecks via, they would draw blood and send photos and images. And uh, it's interesting, right? Because we charged the first couple times and then it just sort of somewhere along the way, someone doesn't charge and then the expectation gets lost. And I agree. I think that the opportunity is there. We've tried it and we've been met with varying levels of success in getting client buy. And we've definitely had a few clients who get upset and say, I don't understand why I'm being asked to pay for something that I've never had to pay for before. I've tried to start floating the, the script 
essentially to the staff to say, okay, you know, Dr. Kivett's going to make multiple callbacks on her way home. Her commute is 10 minutes. So if she can call you as one of several calls during her trip home, or if this call can be made while her arm is in the rear end of a mare, fine. But if you need more time or you need a specific time, that's not going to be just a random call while she's palpating a horse, then we need to set you up for a telemedicine consult. We're still like, it's hit or miss. Sure, sure. I don't think the infrastructure really is there to both capture the conversation into a medical record and that piece of tech that can provide my client with the access so they feel like they have access, but also can capture the conversation now I have something I can justify invoicing for and mm-hmm. a tool where I can track it and invoice for. We're adding this service where we can document all these questions that you ask people and the pictures that you send us and then you show up and none of us can remember what we talked about. Like, but that's going to cost some money and here's what it's going to cost. And, you know, now it's a service. And yeah. the client still feels like they have access to the veterinarian, which is important to me because of the culture we have. But got a way to track it and charge for it. Yeah, I know that there are some practice management and medical records management softwares that seem to have an integration with, you know, online meeting platforms, but I haven't tried it. So I don't know, you know, necessarily how successful that will be. Right. One of the things that I I was going to ask the two of you about, because we have tried so often is, I think the one thing that all of us resent and learn to sometimes despise is just doing, oh, now I've got to do all my medical records. And, you know, it seems like the promise of voice transcription would just be just wonderful. You just talk while you're driving and it hasn't seemed to work for us. We've tried a lot of the different vendors and it just doesn't work. Either one of you tried anything? Do you see any promise on this? Ben, what do you think? No, I agree with you. And not only like some of the, the transcribing piece works, but the integration piece doesn't. Yeah. And where the transcribing may work today, it won't connect with the software. Or if you do get it connected with the software, you know, you have no battery. And so that piece is we've to the point where we haven't even we haven't even tried again. Um in the last two years. The surgeon likes it to dictating medical record like surgical reports or sale films. We found it really useful for that when you're pseudo radiology sort of style, but day-to-day soaps and medical records, I haven't been able to make it work. How about yourself, Lisa? I haven't tried it because for me personally, words flow faster in the written form. And so I've had better success building templates and shorthand inside medical records software. Right. Yeah, a lot of the, our vets have just said that by the time I go through it and correct the misspelt navicular and hawk that flies, I would have just been as quick to write it myself. So I guess this leads to be my next question is, is this promise of AI, artificial intelligence or machine learning, things that picks up patterns after a while and promises to make our life easier. So I guess the obvious path in veterinary medicine is If you have these symptoms, you put it in and they just sort of look at it and go, well, here's your top three rule outs. Do you see AI having potential in the veterinary field? Ben, let's start with you. For sure. 
you look at what's been done in different disciplines on the human side, their biases and the issues associated with your training or your biases or your preferences is eliminated. And the AI is tremendously better. It's even better when it's incorporated with a person's interpretation of the case. But there's a lot of evidence that using AI in diagnostics will be really helpful. How far out that is from equine, I don't know, but just looking at some of the, the literature on reading radiographs, which you brought up earlier, was remarkable. How much better it is when that's incorporated into the interpretation and study of radiographs. What are your thoughts on the subject, Lisa? I completely agree, right? I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, like my self-driving vet truck, just further away than any of us would necessarily think. But yeah, those of us who are willing to acknowledge that we do have bias and that we are prone to error, I think can recognize that it's probably really valuable. I think about the first time that I was a resident with John Schumacher, who I respected so, so much. And he wrote the little, you know, joint injection Bible or whatever and demoed the lameness locator. And I said, what do you think of it? And he was like, I've learned I'm not as good at lameness as I thought I was. And I just really respected that, right? Because he did say the lameness locator is dumb and it doesn't see lameness. He said, it turns out, you know, I have bias. Right. And yeah, those of us who can get past our own egos, I think if it comes to pass in our lifetimes, can use it effectively. I agree with both of you, but I think the biggest challenge with AI is that it has to be built on a good data set. Right. Good point. Do we have enough of a consistent data set in equine practice? I mean, human, if you want to talk about mammograms, there's a huge data set. Yeah. And where are we going to get the data set for certain conditions in horses? I mean, I think it'll come, but I think it's going to be, I don't see myself in practice when it starts to kick in anymore. I have to start slow. Yeah, it brings in the bias of like the diagnosis, you know, and what your training is and those sorts of biases. It takes a huge amount of numbers to overcome those things and start picking out patterns that nobody's seeing. But where I do think the machine learning will be useful for us and hopefully my career is less about the diagnostics and more about the day-to-day function. Seeing how we enter the medical record to the point where it starts to understand, hey, this was a you know, a cardiopulmonary exam, and I don't have to preset all of the variables that I wanted to pull up that the software says this is commonly used whenever someone enters this code and it pops up the most common things that would come up. Instead of building it all in the back end, the machine is learning and doing it for you. I expect that will develop while we're still practicing. Yeah, I can see that too. You know, one of the things what I like about technology is I'm seeing more and more of it currently at one of our biggest challenges is just you know, retaining and attracting staff and, and, you know, monitoring their happiness. And there's some better and better software out there to help us sort of collate that and just to understand what we're doing. But I just read a recent article about the uh, kind of software is that it's almost dystopian, how it actually looks at you working and it, the camera and your laptop will talk how many times you're looking at the screen and you look away and it actually deducts away from, you know, your hourly wage because you're not engaged. And you read some of this, you're like, this is just, this is where technology goes evil and highly ineffective. I just think so much of this is so new that we're just like social media. We don't realize so much later, like, oh, there's actually a dangerous aspect to it. 
it was great to catch up with high school friends, but that's a segue. And Lisa, we'll start with you. So if you had your wish list for technology that's going to come along in the next five to 10 years, what would you love? What would be at the top of your list? Obviously self-driving. <laughs> yeah. Like way up there. I can't get past it. I think in the very, very immediate future, if I could just have a high speed internet in my truck everywhere all the time, that'd really change a lot of things for me. I haven't thought about that. That's right. Yeah. How about you, Ben? Um, I think from a monitoring standpoint, there's a lot of stuff that could be packaged together right now that you connects via the microchip in the horse to identify the medical record and just tracks the TPR, heart rhythm, respiratory rate, heart rate variation and to the medical record. Horse comes in and you just pop this on, talk to the client, get the history, and all of the pieces the state requires me to do is now already in the medical record. Things in the hospital that you can have those devices on. Like they all exist, but they're six different devices right now. I'm talking about one device. Or there's some kind of spooky stuff that's not even attached to the horse. It's just next to the cage or next to the stall that's tracking blood pressure, heart rate, temperature, and things of the animal in the cage just remotely. Those sorts of things I think are, are really interesting to me if we can tie into the medical records and save a tremendous amount of time in the mornings and in the day doing tracking heart rates. It's almost like, you know, wearables. Like we talked about the Apple Watch before, but if there's an equine version, that to me is, if I was going to say my wish is the a wearable that can track some really great parameters because I was thinking preventatively, and this ties into what Lisa was saying about on-call angst. If you knew that a client of yours, their horse's heart rate was starting to escalate at five o'clock and you could give them a call and say, hey, Sparky's doesn't feel too good. And you're not going out there at nine at night going, (laughs) I wish you had called me four hours ago. Oh, yeah. But part of me is like, no, maybe they actually won't. Like what if its heart rate goes up at 11 and they weren't going to look at it otherwise and I was going (laughs) to skate through until morning. And now I know. I don't want to know. And from a, a rehab training standpoint, yeah. sports medicine standpoint, looking at low, really subtle indicators of pain, like heart rate variability, accurately, would be phenomenal. And I think those things are all available now, just need to be packaged together in a way that, that works. Yeah. Now, do you think, I mean, this is what, not a, a question that we prepared for, but in terms of equine practitioners, are we, I'm just talking generally, are we open to those technologies or do you see some heels down? Like, I mean, what you're talking about, Ben, I'm like, yes. Oh, please. I wish I had that today. It would just make life so much easier on a rehab farm to understand when things are happening. But I would say equine vets were very, um, we'll try a lot, but as we talked earlier about telemedicine, but we'll also put our heels down and go, ah, no, it's not for us. I would agree with that. I think the challenge is also, let's say the device is built, how long until it's out of the veterinarian's hands and into the holistic, you know, herbal life, magic oil person that trying to diagnose things with it. I think think there's some risks to that, but yeah, for sure. There's always people that are hesitant to adopt the technology, um, no matter whether it's pro stride versus 
transcend one or you know tech stuff. My dad has an iPhone, so it is not impossible for everybody to adopt technology. There you go. There you go. Any last words as as we uh, tidy up our, our discussion on technology? I know I, we could talk forever, but then there's be most of the people listening to this going, "Okay, you guys are just geeking out about us." But a second vote for autonomous flying vehicles or driving vehicles. I'll take either one. Yeah, no kidding. And I'd I'd like drones to be able to so clients can pick up their medications a lot easier or drop them off a lot easier too. So that would help a lot. Yeah, that would be great. So. Again, I want to thank Beringer Engelheim for supporting this podcast and Lisa Kivett, Ben Buchanan. Thank you both for taking the time and uh, keep well, keep safe. And I look forward to seeing you in San Antonio later this year. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thank you. For more resources to help you in daily practice, please visit the AAP's website at aaep.org. Beringer Ingelheim's equine health solutions don't just come in the form of medicine. From our vaccine and EGUS assurance programs to our equine practice enrichment program, we offer a wide range of services dedicated to helping individual veterinarians and entire practices succeed in their business environment. To learn more about all the services we offer, contact one of our expert team members by visiting bi-vetmedica.com slash company slash contact.